Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. Razabani for IFL TV in association with MTK Global with me. I've got MTK's very own, the historian, the knowledge. I'm running out of titles. My man, Spencer Ferron. Spence, how are we doing? I'm really good. And you know the rules, even better for seeing you, my friend, to speak to you, brother. How's the family? Uh, how are the children, first of all, before I start? Every, everything is good. Everything is blessed. So I'm grateful, man. I can see you sipping on your water there. Um, Spence, a lot, a lot going on in boxing at the moment. I haven't touched base with you since last weekend's uh, clash in America. We saw Kelbrook take on arguably one of the best fighters on the planet in Terence Crawford. Um, is that what you expected to see as the end result so quickly? Um, yes and no. Well, I mean, I didn't think that Terence Crawford could do it that early. I thought the fight was going to go long. I thought from round eight, then I thought Kelbrook would be in trouble, especially for him getting down to 147, something that he, he hasn't done in his last three fights. So, you know, I thought maybe that would take its toll on him. But to see Kelbrook box the way that he did for the first two rounds, and you're watching, you think, oh, man, you know what I mean? Come on, Kel, right? But no way that I expect Terence Crawford to stop him in four rounds. And then it's time to, and I don't want, I don't want no one to take away from the victory of what, what Terence Crawford did because that was a very good Kel Brook in there. Um, Dominic Ingle, we interviewed him last week, myself and Tundi Ajay on the fighters, right? And he would say, like, Kel doesn't go into fights thinking that he's going to lose. He doesn't take fights like that. But you know what they say? It's like if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And I think Kelbrook would have been so much better if he had Dominic Ingle in his corner. I think he would have performed better. I'm not saying that he would have won, but I'm saying I think he would have performed better. And unfortunately, whoever has been advising Kelbrook, he's been wrongly advised. Because you've got to think, his fight with Golovkin. And I, was, I thought he had a chance in that fight. Simply because I saw Golovkin versus uh, Kasim Umar, and he didn't look good in that fight. I think, you know what, maybe ain't all that because Kassim Umar used to be a junior middleweight. So maybe he's got a chance in there, but Kassim Umar is just a very, very tough man. But I know Kassim Umar didn't train for that fight. But by then, then he left Kazakhstan, he, he linked up with Abel Sanchez, he became a different fighter. You know what I mean? Uh, but, and we have to give Kelbrook credit for taking that fight. But when we look at it properly, he should never have been in the ring with Golovkin. Because let's be real, Golovkin effed up his career, mate. Then after that, and, and like, you know what? He never, he didn't do him no favors fighting guys like Joe Jordan. No disrespect to Frankie Gavin, because my guy, I like him, right? But you just beat Sean Porter to the likes that nobody's ever beaten Sean Porter like how you got that win over Sean Porter. That brought you to the echelons of the 147 division, right? You know, Mayweather's playing around. He's like, Mayweather's got, you got, you got, the rest of the weight classes and boxing classes, then you got Mayweather's class. He's on another echelon, right? So 
he was regarded as the best waterweight in the world. At the time, when we had an up-and-coming Errol Spence, uh, Danny Garcia, Keith Furman. He was up there with those guys, right? And he was, people would talk about him like in that, like he was above those guys. So to, he effed up his career. And that's real, because the Jojo Dan, Frankie Gavin, how is that preparation to say you want to be a top 10 guy? And I admit, yeah, you could have got, you could have got stripped to your title if you didn't fight Jojo Dan because he was number one contender. I get that piece, yeah? But Frankie Gavin, you'd have to fight Frankie Gavin. What was that all about? So I'm just being real. So it's, we have to just be real. It, and I didn't want it to be like, oh, well, Kel Brook kind of cashed out in taking this fight. But you know what? He kind of did, man. And it's sad. You know why? Because similarly to how Amir Khan was chasing a Mayweather Pacquiao fight, and I think him doing that, he kind of, there was loads of great fights left for Amir Khan. He did the exact same thing by not waiting for the Mayweather's or the Pacquiao, but waiting for Amir Khan fight. I'm just telling you as it is. So it's going to be sad because we're going to be looking at that and saying, what, what is, is Kel done? No one's not interested in watching him at Amir Khan. No? You know what I mean? No, nobody. So where can Kel go from here? And that's not me being, trying to demoralize Kel Brook because you know what I mean? I, I, I have a, a, a personal relationship with him and his dad. But I'm just, keep, I'm just telling you as it is. You mash up your team, bro. And that's that. And you know what? Terrence Crawford is bad. And, and on the rules, Terrence Crawford is a real deal. No, no ifs or buts. Kel, um, Terrence Crawford, for him to do that to Kel Brook, like that, Kel Brook started off so strong. And the craziest thing is this, like in, in fights, Kel Brook went into that ring, the bigger man, the physically bigger man. You could see like when he's trying jab for jab, you can see the body sides. But what happens is uh, the perpetrator often gets demoralized when somebody fine tweaks it up with skill. And we saw that demonstrated with, with what uh, Terrence Crawford did. Terrence Crawford was actually emanating things that Kel Brook was doing to him. He started to stab, stab Kel to the body with a jab. Do you know what I mean? And then when he switched it up, he said, well, we're at Southport now. We'll see what's going on. There's times where Kelbrook was trying a jab and then Terrence Crawford would throw three fours back at him. But it wasn't a confident three four. It was like, I'm not taking this from you. This is my house. That's how he handled it. And, and yeah, it was ploy. After props, Terrence Crawford, I didn't think that he could, I knew he was going to win the fight. I didn't think that he could do that to Kelbrook, uh, like in four rounds like that. You know what I mean? That's when you know he's serious. He surprised me how we dealt with Amir Khan. I'm going to be real. And he is potentially an all-time great. By the things that he does, I just hope that he stays on his game, stays focused, because there are some great fights out there for him, and he's a superb talent. And mm -hmm. lastly, I'd like to say this, and I'm keeping it 100. Um, there's some disparity between him and Bob Arum right now and all the rest of it, right? Um, and I would say to Terrence Crawford to come to MTK Global and use their advisory system of the people that they got there. Not say it's sign up long business, no, use their advisory system. 
Reason why? Because it's respected. They're growing. They're signing everybody. You know this is a fact. So I'm not even trying to boast, but use the advisory system of MTK Global, right? Because he ain't he ain't he ain't too happy right now. Absolutely. You mentioned there, obviously, Bob's comments. Um, so we're not sure what Crawford does, but I want to ask you something, Spence, because you know the 80s and the 70s and the 90s and the boxing quite well. Bob compares him to Sugar Ray Leonard and says he can compete with that level. Now, would you say that Crawford still needs some defining fights to put him on that pedestal, or is he on that pedestal already? By the things that I've seen him do, I think he'll be able to mix with those guys. Right? But it's amazing. Bob Arum promoted a young man for about three, four years in Floyd Mayover. Right? And he don't call his name in it. Why don't you call Floyd's name? Could Floyd Mayover, could, could <clears throat> Terence Crawford compete with Floyd Mayover? That's the one you want to be saying. Right, we can talk about Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray the all-time great, one of my favorite fighters. Uh, the Sugar Ray Leonard that fought Tommy Hearns of, um, was that September 1981 when they had their incredible barn-burning fight. Do I think Terrence Crawford could compete with him? No, I don't think nobody could compete with that guy. That guy there. Do I think that uh, Terrence Crawford could mix with the Tommy Hearns of 1984 who knocked out Roberto Duran? No, I don't. I don't think he could compete with those guys. But you know what? I'm going to have sentimental kind of things to that my childhood and you're seeing these kind of things. So there could be some young kids watching Terrence Crawford right now and they could be the little junior knowledge and they're going to have that in 20 years. They're going to say to an old person like me, shut them out. So, but what I am seeing with him, he's very, very good. And that's the truth. But unfortunately, Sugar and Leonard had dance partners, my friend. Right? Sugar and Leonard, um, November 1979, Sugar and Leonard had uh, Rufa Benitez, who was nicknamed the Raider who was the youngest ever world champion, beats Aventis when he was 17 years old. That's crazy, right? 17. He had dance partners. He had dance partners in his first fight in Montreal in 1980 with Roberto Duran, who at the time was, was seen as the greatest fighter of all time. At the time, the arguments, they say, well, Shavari Robertson, but they leave him out the equation. Roberto Duran was seen as the greatest fighter of all time. And at the time, he was definitely the best pound for pound fighter. So he had dance partners. He had dance partners. He had dance partners. Even in that, we got to think, prior to him winning the world title, Sugar Ray Leonard, winning the world title, Sugar Ray Leonard fights a guy called Andy Hawk, like two months prior to him challenging for a world title. Andy Hawk was a bad man, and Ray Leonard clapped him out in one round and just bludgeoned him with, with, with punches, hurt him, and finished him. And... Uh, uh, Andy Price, Andy the Hawk Price was famously, uh, he was managed by Marvin Gaye. But that's another story. And I'll go, I don't want to bore people. Oh, he's going off on his hands up on history again. That's right. That's why, because I'm the knowledge. But those, that era of those guys, those guys had dance partners. They had each other to, to Jennifer. And it wasn't a case of, of, of promotions or promoters. Because remember, Bob Aaron was the guy that bust Muhammad Ali, you know. He was Muhammad Ali's promoter, right? Top Rank was formed by guys who were in the Nation of Islam. No, people don't talk about this. Guys who were in the Nation of Islam and Bob Aaron. So you had Islamic guys and, and a Jewish guy working together in tangent. That is the beauty of boxing. 
right? Because <laughs> the only color that matters <laughs> is the green. So when we look at when we look at that, if you have a dance partner, then you're gonna excel. A lot of these guys, they they didn't have they don't have dance partners. Bob Arman and Don King worked in tangent because Don King at that time had Roberto Duran and and Bob Aaron was working with, with Sugar Ray Leonard, but they still managed to merge the fight for Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. I think at that time there, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard made $9 million for that fight. But that was 1980. Ridiculous, right? Right, ridiculous. So it can happen if they want it to happen. So Errol Spence, you're going to need a dance partner. And a real dance partner because you can't be out there right now, Errol Spence, who I rate. Um, you need that dance partner. Terence Crawford is that dance partner. Because you need we'll him, about another pound for pound fighter, someone who doesn't shy away from fighting the big fight, someone who doesn't sh shy away from leaving his promoter and television networks in Canelo Alvarez. We know he's been in there with the great fighters of, of today. He doesn't shy away. He's now going to 168 to challenge Callum Smith. I just want to talk about Callum's chances here against Canelo at this particular weight. We've seen Canelo at 175 against Kovalev. He wasn't doing too great in that fight until he landed that KO punch a bit later in the night. And we know Kovalev slows down towards the back end of the fights. How does, Can how does Callum fare up against Canelo at 168? How does he fare up? Number one is this, right? Um... I'll be doing my research. I think never in history has, has a fighter beaten two brothers and, and alleviated them of the, and relieved them, sorry, of their world title. It's never happened before. I don't believe so. I've done my check, I've done my research. At uh, first, I got in my memory banks. Is it? And I'm like, no, right? <clears throat> but what I can say is this Joe Gallagher's been in there with Canelo, right? And First, it was talk about, uh, is it going to be um, Caleb Plant for his IBF title, right? That was a talk on the PBC. So he thought, okay, Al Heyman's got in there. Um, and I think that it's very difficult to fight Canelo, right? Because there's no style that Canelo hasn't seen. None. And the thing is that he knows how to... Uh, uh, use patience to his advantage. It's like in the Cobbler fight, we said, well, he wasn't looking too good. He's like, he knew, no, no, I'm going to clap you soon. He did it in Ame Khan fight. Ame Khan was winning that fight. Ame Khan was outboxing Canelo, right? But it's more to the fact that Canelo was saying, don't worry, I'm just going to try, he set you up with shots. He'll go down to the body, come up to the top of the head. But what I am saying is this, if if Callum can keep it long, and I'm a big fan of Callum, and like uh, my son Amari is his biggest fan because like we spent time together uh, for New Year's in Dubai. His family, my family, and the rest of the Smiths, right? And my son is his biggest fan, and I mean biggest fan. Um, and if he can keep it long, and if he can keep it precise, and pop that jab, never know what could happen. But what I am saying is. When we're dealing with horrible body punches, sickening body punches, Canelo's one of them, right? And what Canelo's really good at is reading fights, engaging fights, and looking at your mistakes. 
So if you, you make a mistake, then you're going to get knocked out. But what I am saying is that Joe Gallagher gets a lot of stick, right? But I like Joe. I like Joe because he gets more abuse online than me. So he, he's my alleviate of abuse. And I'm saying that, seriously, like, go interview Joe Gallagher next, right? So all the IFL um, haters can jump on him and start slagging him off. Right? So Joe, Joe reads games. He puts down game plans. Like, I mean, me and Joe speak regular about boxing. We speak for hours. You know what I mean? And I would say, like, if he can devise a game plan, because beefy Liam Smith put in a gallant performance against Canelo. He never mugged himself off. So I think if they can stick to a four-punch combination and move off, they've got a great chance. But the unfortunate thing is, if we look at um, with Canelo, with movers and southpaws, but if you've got to be a southpaw mover, they're giving trouble. Austin Trout, giving trouble. Uh, Lara, Islande Lara, giving trouble. I thought Lara actually could have got that decision, right? Um, but because he balls forward in that, and because he's a superstar, we've seen that. When you're a superstar, the eyes watch you. But if they can keep it long, I'm, I'm really wishing that he puts in a good performance. I really want him to win. You know what I mean? But can I see him winning? It's boxing. Anything can happen. I'm not going to speak anything ill of Callum because I know all the Smith brothers. I know their old man. is their dad's birthday. Yesterday's so happy birthday to him. So I'm, I'm just willing him to win. I'm just willing to win, bro. He's, 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 they, are, they are such a nice family. Deontay Wilder did another interview uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, strange, actually, because he's, he was calling out Dylan White. And I've never was heard... That, was, that Custer? was that the one with Custer? That's was right. That one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, that was a very good podcast, man. Yeah, well, no, it was brilliant. Brilliant interview. Um, we've seen Dylan White call out Deontay Wilder for a long, long, long time. Um, Wilder has always said, get in the queue. Your time will, you know, one day it might, it might happen. It may not happen. But Deontay Wilder actually put him in his list of fighters that he potentially said could be next himself. He said he put tell, him... Tell, tell Deontay Wilder it's 1,222 1, days late for you to put Dylan White in your wish list. Dylan's concentrating on what he's, he's concentrating on right now. And that was a projected fight with Povetkin if it comes off. If it doesn't come off, then hey, who knows, yeah? But there's no need for Dylan White to say you're going to fight Deontay Wilder because you're calling me out now. Like, all the time I was calling you name, oh, my name, anything you have to say was geography. I don't need you. He doesn't need you. He don't. And this is the difference, is this. Dylan White lost his fight, made no excuses. Right? We look through history. History of upsets in the heavyweight division. Right? Major upset, major, like, uh, historical upset. Like, when Joe Lewis lost to Matt Smelling, Right? was a massive thing. I'll give you some little education now. You young kids who are trying to think, like, right, I, I don't need a, a computer with box trick around for me to read these stuff because all up here. Right? Let me tell you a story, son. Let me tell you a story. Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber, right, uh, who came out of Michigan, was an incredible fighter, right? He was a man that could box. And as Henry Cooper sat down and told me as a little kid, he, he had like this little chopping six-inch punch that he could knock you out with, right? And Joe Lewis was knocking out everybody. And then, as he's going through the ranks, they got Joe Lewis, they put him in with former heavyweight champion of the world, Max Smelling, who was a German, 
right? But fair play to Max Manning because he was not under any of the ideology of Hitler. He actually fought with a, with a, with the star of David on his shorts in commemoration of his manager who was Jewish, right? And you got to remember at this time here, Nazi Germany was on the rise, but America had nothing to do with the war then, right? So um, June, I think it's June 18th or 19th, right? Memory doesn't serve me too well, but I know it was uh, 1936 in Yankee Stadium, they fight each other. And Joe Lewis was boxing pretty well, but Joe Lewis made a mistake when he would throw a jab and drop his hands down, leave himself open for a right hand. And come, and they fought really good, and it was actually the fight of the year by the magazine. And in the 12th round, Max Smelling throws the right hand, wobbles Joe Lewis, then rushes in and knocks out the brown bomber, Joe Lewis. A lot of people thought that Joe Lewis was just going to be a flash in the pan. But Joe Lewis was managed by a man who was a big numbers man called John Roxburgh. Go Google this man, he was a great man. He was a black guy in America who used to numbers games like when you play lottery. So John Roxbar and these guys, they had him under certain rules where, you know, if you knocked out an opponent, you couldn't celebrate over him, put your hands over him, blah, 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 all these kind of things. None of those kind of things. So anyway, he takes his loss. He makes no excuse whatsoever. He takes his loss, wipes his nose and says nothing. Joe Lewis goes on. He goes on uh, a year after, becomes world heavyweight champion by beating the Cinderella man, right? Uh, James Braddock. He beats James Braddock to become heavyweight champion of the world. He has three to four defenses. And after that time there, Joe Lewis wants a rematch with the man that beat him in Max Millen. Now at this time now, right? The, the Second World War started. It's on, right? Joe Lewis says, okay, cool. Let's go in there and let's go have this fight. I'll defend my title against you. And Joe Lewis batters Smelling in one round. He hits Smelling so hard to the body, well, body shot, he's from the left up to the body, that you hear him scream. At the time of him just being knocked out, Hitler in Nazi Germany cuts all radio footage of the fight because he didn't want to have this thing of, the area race being superior over every other race on the planet. And he cuts that uh, broadcast so nobody could hear it. And Joe Lewis knocks out Max Millen in one round. The moral of the story is this. When you lose, don't make no excuses. Right? Take your L, and your L can stand for two things. Either it's a loss or it's learning. And from Joe Lewis's loss, he learned. We can flip the page. When was it? April. April of 2001 in South Africa, Lennox Lewis gets knocked out by Hassan Rackman. Take your L as a man, no excuses, right? Lennox Lewis famously told us that I'm going to make Hassan Rackman be has been Rackman when I finish with him. And then he gets a rematch November of that same year and sparks Hassan Rackman. Don't make no excuses. I don't want to hear no excuses from Deontay Wilder. Write your wrongs. And the way you can write your wrongs is in the ring. I don't want to hear of this glove gate nonsense. I don't want to hear uh, of your water being spiked. I don't want to hear that the costume was too heavy. I don't want to hear none of those things. Reason why? Because nobody really cares. And when you're complaining about one of these things that happened to you, 
you're actually making yourself look like an idiot. Because if it did happen to you, right, all of these things, then come with your proof. Because anyone can come up with allegations and accusations. But as long as you as long as long as you got proof and you can comprehend your proof to people to comprehend it, then we could say, okay, then I'll fight tooth and nail and have a few. If you thought you were cheating, then we know it is. But I know it is. When your gloves are being checked, I've been there, I've been around world, world, world champions when they're just about to fight. I've been around guys from any form of level, you have inspectors in, inside, inside the change room. And then also, you nominate a corner person from your, from, your, from your camp to go and inspect when the gloves are being done. So, you're trying to say the Levada Commission was involved in this as well. And Jay Diaz, who's your trainer, he was there as well. Was he part of it? Come on, man. Stop this ludicrous nonsense because it don't make you... And, I, and what I do think is this. If I was Deontay Wilder, I could punch like him, right? I'll be in the gym right now learning how to box a bit better because I know at the end of the day I can box and now I know that I've got dynamite in his hands, I should be all right. So I don't want to hear none of the, the nonsense of anything that goes on there and no, Dylan White should not fight Deontay Wilder. Dylan White to concentrate on Dylan White right now because Deontay Wilder hasn't got nothing to give him at all. You know, Tyson Fury was in a fight uh, early December. It looks like that fight is now not going to happen. Uh, Frank Warren's come out and said we couldn't get the package, the finances together for Fury. Fury looks like he's going to be out next year now. And with Deontay Wilder now disputing this trilogy fight and saying it should happen, I have my rights. Uh, and an answer is expected in the next week or so, I believe. Eddie Hearn has come out and said it's potentially likely that they could, they, if they do fight, then Joshua will fight Usyk. Does that mean the Fury and Joshua fight just carries on in the loom and may not happen next year? No, I think that Fury, Fury and Joshua could happen potentially uh, by November next year. That's what I believe. Um, because I think that any Joshua would beat Usyk. And I think Tyson Fury would beat Deontay Wilder in a rematch. So that's what I believe. Do you, do you see Pulev causing any issues to Joshua December 12th? Yes, I do. Pulev can fight. I think Bob Arum was saying that Pulev's going to win that fight. Right? This is a knock him out. He's hating, right? <laughs> He's probably hating. Andy Joshua will deal with him. Because Andy Joshua now is learning the fundamentals of boxing. Was that scream? But it's just for Anthony Joshua to start learning and start being around some boxing people. And now big bad AJ is doing it, the man from Watford. Do you know what I mean? So I've got I've got AJ beating Pulev because Pulev is not a concussive puncher. He's a hurtful puncher, not a concussive puncher. He's got a good boxing brain as well. But I think the natural athleticism of Anthony Joshua, especially if he's eating that pounded yam and a goosey, you know what I mean? That fufu in the stew. Then I've got Eddie Joshua um, beating Pulev about round eight. Spencer, half an hour. We can carry on for a long time. I know Zoom's going to give me oh, you got to chop this up, man. you got to <laughs> chop this up. I know Zoom's going to give me a notification that the time's running out, but always appreciate you jumping on. Uh, looking good and sharp as always. Uh, and thank you for blessing us with some of that knowledge, some of that history. And hopefully people uh, who are going to watch this can also appreciate uh, the knowledge that you give us and education. Well, uh, well, thank you very much. And may I say lastly on this, Assalamu alaikum to all my Muslim brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? And I'm saying this, that 
we are taught that in Islam that we are the we are the best of mankind. We can only be the best of mankind by being embraceatory of everybody else and raising everybody else to the natural level and their, and their spirit level. You know what I mean? The simple thing is this. Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. So we also got to go high. So peace, two fingers, I'm out. If you love boxing, then you should love me because I love boxing. Peace, I'm out. Spencer Fair on IFL TV. Thank you very much. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. <laughs>